What up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 220, you heard that right Combo Nation, episode 220 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Stop what you're doing, pause this episode, and go rate and review this show, it's really important, so get that done for me. And man, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend about the show, share this episode. We here at Combo's Court would greatly appreciate it. Today's show, Australian native and host of Locked on Bucks podcast, Kane Pittman joins in a great conversation with Kane. We talked Bucks basketball, the Westbrook and Wall trade. We talked a little bit about LaMelo and RJ Hampton's season in Australia, plus more, man. Can't wait for you all to hear it. You can find Kane on Twitter at Kane Pittman. That's K-A-N-E-P-I-T-M-A-N. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Host of Locked On Bucks podcast. Welcome to Combo's Court. How are you feeling today? I'm doing pretty good. It's Friday afternoon over here in Australia. It's sunny. Um, things are good. Things are good. How are you? I, I'm doing well. I am doing well. Um, how are things in Australia? We know the situation that the world is in, but uh, how's it going in Australia specifically? Uh, it's not too bad. Yeah, we've been pretty fortunate. Um, things are, are relatively normal as normal as they can be in 2020 i think anyway i mean everyone's um you know still cautious about uh you know certain things that you can and can't do but yeah australia australia didn't really mess around with it they hit the lockdown pretty hard early and and it's um yeah yeah we've been super fortunate particularly um for me and being in milwaukee the last few years and seeing stuff back over in the u.s it's sort of sort of tough to watch from afar for sure are things open? Yeah, yeah, we're back. We're back open. We um we've been open for a while now, so so okay. things are pretty good. There's still restrictions on you know kind of um you know, capacity and bars and restaurants and that sort of stuff. But for the, for the most part, things are open. Sporting events have crowds, that sort of stuff. So it's um like I said, as far as 2020 goes, it's um it, right. it's pretty good. Yeah. Right. It's interesting because before you were a beat writer for Milwaukee, you were a fan. Uh, how did that happen? Because I could see like 15 years from now, there'll be some young reporters from Greece, probably. Right. Like that would make sense. Like, you know, yeah, they were, yeah, they, yeah. You know, they were watching you. But how did that connection happen for you? Um, yeah, it's really interesting because I do feel like the, the Bucks in general have almost become this global. It, it's so funny, obviously, being a small market in the US, but I do think they have a global reach obviously because of Giannis and, and certainly in Australia. I mean, they've had a bunch of Australian players on the roster over the years, but for me, right. for me, it was actually Ray Allen who I loved originally going back um, in the George Carl, the, the run they had to the Eastern conference finals in 2001. That was kind of when I started to take notice of the NBA and, and Ray Allen was, I mean, early days, Ray Allen, 
was a Tough. completely different beast, Oof. man, like, compared to, you know, Miami days where he's sort of a catch and shoot guy. So, yeah. So yeah. I, I a lot more on-ball creation, definitely, back then. Yeah. Getting to the rim, yeah, yeah. playing above the rim. Like, you, if you don't know, you better Google some uh, Bucks Ray yeah. Allen highlights, you know? Yeah, man. He was dunking. I, I think that's the, the crazy thing. You still see if the highlight packages come online or something – and right. you check the comments, people are like, what? Is this, this is Ray Allen? He can do this kind of stuff? But yeah, he was right. athletic. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you got to let me know, man. What happened with this? Uh, we'll get right into the Bucks. I wanted to get in some, into some MBL stuff too. We'll do that as well. But what happened with this bogey thing, man? Like, Because, you know, everybody's tampering. So what did they do to really mess this thing up? And did bogey even really want to go there? Like, just tell me everything that you know. Yeah, I think you hit... The, the second part is is probably more relevant to what happened. I mean, when this first came out, I, I remember at the time we were doing a, a show and I was doing some radio stuff after the, the trade for Drew Holiday was announced, um, which, you know, people in Milwaukee were excited about getting Drew Holiday. And uh, then the reports started to come out that the Bucks were going to try and get Bogdanovich in a sign and trade. And it had been reported that the Bucks were going to be interested. I thought it would be difficult to get both Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich. But the one thing I said was, uh, well, you know, Bucks fans can relax for a few days. Free agency doesn't open. You're not going to hear anything about a sign and trade anyway. And then literally half an hour later, uh, the Woj tweet came out that it was basically a done deal. And it was really odd to me that a sign and trade would be announced that early, particularly with the specifics. So when things started to fall apart, to me straight away, I said, this, this feels like it's coming from Bogdanovich's camp. Because uh, I, I don't see that there's any incentive for Milwaukee or Sacramento to mess this up because the Kings ultimately lost Bogdanovich for nothing. The Bucks obviously want this guy uh, on the roster. So I think there was a combination of um, Bogdanovich potentially being thrown off a little bit by the fact that the Bucks traded for Drew Holiday at the same time. Maybe there was some, some lack of communication there. And also financially, perhaps he thought he could get more money elsewhere the strange thing to me is that it didn't really pan out that way. I mean, the contract he got, he could have got in the same ballpark in Milwaukee. And I guess when you look at it, you have to ask, if you're Bogdanovich, would you rather play next to Trey Young, who's going to be ball dominant, Danilo Gallinari, who's going to want to have touches, and that Atlanta Hawks team that's kind of messy now, or play next to Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday? I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's strange the way it's panned out to me, but it's, it's definitely been messy. That's for damn sure. I mean, it seems like that if they would have made it happen, somebody would have got in trouble or something like that. Like, that's what it seems yeah. like. Because, I mean, you're right. Like, if I was him, I'd way rather play next to Giannis and Drew Holiday and, yeah. you know, Middleton. I mean, that's a crazy lineup. So I, something must have happened there because you usually don't get in trouble for tampering. Like, it, it just – so something happened. Well, once the tampering stuff started coming out and people were, uh, you know, and the inf uh, official investigation started – at that point, it became virtually impossible for him to come to Milwaukee because, right. he, he, I mean, he could have come and maybe eventually the trade would have gone through. But if you're Bogdanovich, you can't sit there at that point and say, well, I'm going to wait. Because if the league eventually had a veto that, that sign and trade, then all of a sudden the free agency market has shut down. The money's not there. And then he ends up back in Sacramento, which clearly he did not want to do. So as soon as things started to, to get a little bit messy, it was for mine, it was virtually, it was all over. It became too difficult for him to get to Milwaukee. So uh, unfortunate for the Bucks because, you know, if you had have added him 
100%. next to Drew Holiday and Middleton, Giannis, Brooke Lopez. I mean, it's, it's a pretty damn nice start. To me, class. they're the favorites, even over the yeah. Nets and the Sixers and yeah. the Heat, which I really love their culture. I mean, with Bogey and Drew added to that team already, man, that is tough because of the spacing, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love Bogdanovich, the player. Um, yeah. I, 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 I've been fortunate enough to get out to Sacramento a few times and see him play. And I feel like every time I've seen him play, he's put on a show, man. He, he can score different ways. He can score uh, without the ball on the catch. He can, he can play, make a little bit. He can create. So he's, he's a good player. I mean, uh, he he's came to the league a little bit later. So I feel like he's been under the radar, especially playing for the Kings, but, but he's yeah, right. good, man. He's great. Right. All right. So let's talk about who they do have. Um, what signings have you liked? Obviously, we. I mean, I'm high on Drew Holiday. I'm sure you are as well. But uh, what? Tell me more about all the signings and um, what interests you about them, and how much better did they get in this offseason, Do you feel? Well, I think they got better just purely by the addition of Drew Holiday um, right. over Eric Bledsoe. So yeah. Bledsoe. I, I mean, I I love Bledsoe the player. I've always said that he's been kind of a barometer for the Bucks offense. I feel like when he's being aggressive then the Bucks' offense went to a different level. They were able to score in transition. He's, he hits the glass. He can yep. uh, attack and get to the rim. So I love Bledsoe, but unfortunately, in the playoffs, he's been a disaster. I mean, it's, there's, there's no other way to put it. I mean, he, he's been virtually unplayable. And when your third best player is, is sort of crumbling like that in the playoffs, it becomes difficult to uh, get further and, and ultimately get to the NBA Finals, which is what we've seen with the Bucks. So getting Drew Holiday in there, you lose nothing defensively you think he's going to be more reliable and more consistent on the offensive end. So that's just a huge upgrade. And then the other guys they've added, um, uh, Bryn Forbes, Torrey Craig, uh, Bobby Portis, uh, DJ Augustine as well. So you lost George Hill. Uh, you needed a backup point guard. They got DJ Augustine. You lose a, a fair bit defensively. He's not known for his defense, but he's a capable player. He can shoot the three at a high level, uh, can uh, runs a, a nice pick and roll, can play make, can score as well. So he's just a solid player. I mean, he's 33 years old. I don't know how much he's got left in the tank, but as far as backup point guards go, DJ Augustine is, is a fine acquisition there. And then just a bunch of shooting. I mean, Bryn Forbes is a great catch and shoot guy. Bobby Portis, again, not known for his defense, but he can score a little bit. And I'm really curious to see Portis on a good team. 100%. I was going to say the thing. He's been on rubbish teams. And, yeah, and so, the, the teams haven't been good, and his attitude is good. I mean, he plays hard. He's tough. He plays hard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, wait, did they add Jordan Nwara and Nick Stauskas as well? So, Nick Stauskas is going to be – it's a training camp deal. So, I uh, don't expect uh, okay. that he's going to be with the team um, during the season. Uh, I wanted to see later. him get an opportunity because it would be great to see him on a good team and do well because if you just have a few good playoff games on a good team, you know, he was in Europe last year. It could lead to, you know, an extra 10 years in the NBA, you know, just one good playoff series or something like that. Yeah. He's always been able to shoot. That's, that's yeah. for sure. That's the one thing you know about Stauskas, but uh, unfortunately for the Bucks with their roster position, salary cap, they're right up against the high cap. I think they've actually got, uh, it's just under a million dollars that they, they have, uh, up against the hard cap for the rest of the season. And you can't go out over that in under any circumstance. So they just can't fit another player in. As it stands, they've only got 14 uh, on the roster. So they're going to go in one short this year, which is kind of interesting when you consider the COVID and and what might happen. But that's that's the situation they're in with the guys they have. But the two rookies you mentioned, Jordan Wara and also uh, Sam Merrill, uh, pick 45 and pick 60. It was very clear to me that the Bucks targeted mature players so Wara was at college for three years. Good Sam shooter, Merrill, right? He's a really good shooter, 40%. Yep. 
Um, Athletic can score a little bit. He'll play at the three and the four if he if he sees minutes. And Sam Merrill is actually 24 years old. So he had a couple of years off college, but played four years of college ball. Again, a fantastic shooter. Arguably the best shooter in the entire draft. And you got him with the last pick. So yeah, they clearly targeted guys that were mature and, and that could, if need be, come in and play a role, which I think if you're contending and you're taking late picks in the draft, it's the way to go. What I think of Giannis and the Bucks when it comes to the postseason is schemable. They seem to be schemable once they get to the postseason, right? What do you think they have to do differently from a tactical point of view? Uh, take Giannis off the ball a little bit more? Like, what, what would you like to see them do? I mean, you pay heavy attention to this team, so nobody could answer this question better than you, in my opinion. Yeah, Giannis, I mean, the problem that they've had in the, certainly in the series against Toronto in 2019, Eastern Conference Finals, and then Miami last year is that they've shot terribly. They're absolutely awful, below 30% from three in both of those series. And the problem is that they haven't actually had quality shooters. They've had willing shooters and guys that will let it fly, but it's very different in January when you're beating the Knicks by 30 points and these these bench shooters are feeling comfortable. They're relaxed. They can knock down an open shot compared to when you're down in the Eastern Conference Finals. So they've clearly targeted that with, with better shooting and they've done a decent job of adding that. But I think the point you made about moving him off ball a little bit is interesting because the other thing that they've done is they've just given Giannis the ball at the top of the three-point arc and said, all right, figure it out. And everyone always talks about the wall. Right. Well, if you're just giving Giannis the ball at the top of the three-point line and asking him to charge through four guys when no one else is knocking down a shot, you're going to have problems in the half court. So that's what we've seen. So I think the combination of better shooting and hopefully getting Giannis different touches, get, get him the ball at the free throw line, get him the ball at the elbow a little bit closer to the basket where it's only one step or one dribble and he's able to score or make a pass rather than having to go downhill and get through those guys. I think little tweaks like that can help. He's pretty good as a lob threat too, right? I mean, that yeah, like, yeah. you know, in the dunker spot, all that. Drew Holiday's a good passer. That can help with that as well. Um, interesting, man. Uh, they're not, the Bucks are, the Bucks fans aren't too uh, happy with the, with the new jerseys, right? <laughs> What's going on with yeah, that? The, <laughs> well, they brought out this new blue jersey. So as we all know, everyone's bringing out these different jerseys every single year now. And look, it's right. a money spinner for Nike. And it's great. I mean, I, I don't I don't get too fired up about jerseys personally. I, I don't really care like what they're wearing. But what, was the, what was the fan base saying about it, though? That's all I want to know. Well, they were kind of frustrated because the Bucks did this kind of social media promo for this jersey reveal. Where okay. they were, they were like tweeting videos of like Lake Michigan day after day after day, and then they did like a <laughs> a bridge like light reveal, and it's like everyone already knows you got a blue jersey, and Bucks fans right now are seriously on edge about Giannis. So any type of, um, I don't know, trolling or, or stuff like that, they're just like super sensitive right now. So they didn't take too well to it, and uh, I, I think from most people I've spoke to, they think the jersey's a little bit plain. It's just kind of it. it I mean, to me, I, I don't really care. But like I said, it's not the right time to be messing with the fan base. You know what I mean? No, most definitely. We saw AD and LeBron sign an extension. Uh, are you expecting Giannis to do the same? I still think he will. Um, I, I have personally haven't been surprised at all that he hasn't done it to this point because even when we were sort of predicting what we thought was going to happen this offseason, we said, well... Knowing Giannis, knowing the way he is, he's going to hang out in Europe for a bit longer. He'll be in Greece. He'll be with his family. He'll get to Milwaukee a day before training camp, which is exactly what he did. 
And then he's going to take time to get back in Milwaukee, get back in the gym, meet the new players. And then he'll eventually meet with ownership and then he'll make a decision. So I, I think no one that is sort of around the team expected that it was going to be a quick decision. The problem is that compared with the normal offseason, he hasn't got long. He's got until the 21st of December to sign this thing. So, so we'll see. I still anticipate that he will. But if you're Giannis and you sit back and you think about it, maybe it is best for him to say, I'm just going to see how we go this season. I'm just going to see what happens with this team. The problem with that is if he doesn't sign it, he's going to have to deal with being asked about it every single day. And the team's going to have to play under the pressure of, you better win this year because if you don't, Giannis is leaving and then the franchise is screwed. So there's benefits to to either signing or, or benefits to holding off, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, man. Um, I hope for Milwaukee, he does sign it. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's shift to some non-Bucks talk. Uh, a, fir- a protected first-round pick and wall for Westbrook. Um, what do you feel this trade accomplishes for either team? Well, I think they just get a guy that um, they didn't want around anymore. So they've just said, hey, these guys have got the, the same contract. You want to just swap point guards? And both teams are like, sure, like whatever, let's do it. Because I, I was laughing at the, the Woj report that he said that they hadn't discussed the trade at all. And then in a couple of hours, they're just like, yeah, let's just swap these franchise players. It's, it's all very strange to me. I kind of laughed when I saw the trade originally. But I do think for this season, it, it does make Washington better. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much better. I mean, I don't think they're a contender in the East, but I do think it puts them into the playoff conversation because even last year with Bradley Beal and Davis uh, Bertans, they had a top five offense for most of the season. It dropped off a little bit towards the end and they were running point guards. Ish Smith was starting for a while. They had a bunch of sort of fringe NBA players running the point guard. So I know Westbrook is flawed, and he has a lot of uh, critics out there, but they're going to be better. I mean, if you yeah. replace Ish Smith with Russell Westbrook, not to pile on Ish Smith here, if there's any Ish Smith fans listening to the show, but Westbrook, uh, he's, he's still a good player. They're going to be better. I think they'll be in the mix for the playoffs. I like John Wall, man. I'm a lot higher on John yeah. Wall than others, and uh, I'm probably not. He as just hasn't high. played, you know? Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm probably not as high on Westbrook as some, but I would never, like, yeah. bash him. I mean, he's he's a, what, two-time MVP, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, he is better right now than John Wall is right now, and his numbers were, like, crazy last year. Like, he's still putting up ridiculous numbers, right? Well, he was, I don't know, 27, 7, and 8 or something, but I just don't see it helping either team that much. I really want to see John Wall come back strong. The Lakers really beat up on the rest of the league, in my opinion, when it came to this offseason. Uh, this just topped it off with, you know, LeBron and AD signing the extension. Uh, do you feel they did better in this offseason than everybody else? I mean, because that's the way I feel. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so because, I mean, either way, if you have LeBron and you have AD and they're both healthy, which really is the biggest question mark with those two because Davis has obviously had a long injury history. LeBron is just aging now. I, I know last season he had that groin injury. So people were like, I wonder if he's going to start to pick up these niggles now that he's avoided literally for his whole career. He bounced back and had an incredible season. That's still the only question mark. I mean, if they stay healthy, they're going to be really hard to beat because the, the question mark last year was, well, the guard rotation is pretty sketchy. Rajon Rondo, Alex Caruso. It's like, are, we, are our other teams really worried about those guys? I would have said no all season. 
But then Rondo played the way that he did in the postseason, which he has done in the past. But Dennis Schroeder is a great pickup. Marcus Gasol yeah. obviously is great. Wesley Matthews from the Bucks is going to be huge because he's going to slip straight into Danny Green's role. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. they they had a fantastic offseason. I mean, they're, they're looking really good. If they stay healthy, they're going to be – they've got to be the pick. They're, they're hard to beat. Yeah, if they stay healthy for sure. I mean, Schroeder's in his prime. Wes Matthews, in my opinion, is probably better than Danny Green. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Gasol yeah. is great on defense. And Harrell helps because LeBron and AD, could, you know, you can kind of go to the load management thing and Harrell mm-hmm. could give you 20, 25 points, you know? Yeah, I don't think Harrell – it's kind of interesting because when they signed Harrell originally, I was like, eh – I'm not sure how this works too much. It works in the regular season. I think it helps them. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right because the Lakers' best lineup is Davis at the five, LeBron at the four. That's already been established. So you know that in the postseason, you're not going to play Harrell down the stretch. You're just not. And we saw against the Clippers either way, you can't play Harrell against Jokic. Uh, Even if if you're playing the Sixers, you can't play him against Joel Embiid. So defensively, he's a problem, but you're exactly right. I mean, you put him... In pick and roll scenarios with Dennis Schroeder in second unit lineups, yeah, it's basically going to be Lou Williams and Montez Harrell again, and it, that's what they didn't have last year was this bench scoring. Now all of a sudden they've got the six man of the year and the guy that finished second in the six man of the year. I mean, it's 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 pretty good going. Yeah, and it's another guy to play pick and roll with with LeBron when LeBron isn't load managing, yeah. right? You can go AD yeah. pick and roll, you can go him pick and roll, like two really good pick and roll players. Um, I want to shift to the NBL a little bit. You're with the Bucks a lot. Uh, do you pay that much attention to the NBL during the year? Well, last year I actually was, I didn't get back to Milwaukee until um, early December. So I had about two months at the start of the season covering NBL games, which was fun because uh, I, I'm in Melbourne and Lamella ball was playing up in Sydney or just out of Sydney, but he made a couple of trips down to Melbourne. So it was cool. I got the chance to see Lamella play live and, and cover his games and RJ Hampton as well. Obviously both, in the NBA now. So the league's growing, man. It's, it's quite remarkable. Six, seven years ago, no one paid any attention to it. They couldn't fill any buildings. Now they got sellout crowds right across the league. Um, You have genuine NBA prospects deciding to play in Australia rather than play college basketball, which I think is really cool. And the big thing about it is a guy like LaMelo uh, came out to Australia and we all looked at it and said, well, if his drafts, if his draft stock uh, drops, then that's going to be kind of a, a tough blow for the NBL because it's going to be hard to convince those top-line prospects to come out if they think that playing in this professional league is going to hurt their draft stock. So for Lamelo Ball to actually go top three, and maybe he would have gone number one or two based on fit. You know, I mean, for the Warriors, clearly they wanted Wiseman. That made sense for those guys. But to see Lamelo Ball go top three, I, I think is really big for the league because it does give, um, I guess, some of those prospects now the thought of, maybe I'll just go hang out in Australia for the summer and play pro basketball instead of the winter in the U S pretty good life out in Australia, get paid and then go to the NBA the year after. Like, it's not a bad life. No, it isn't. Uh, they even created this G league pathway program. I don't know what's going to happen with it because of the situation we're in, but do you see the yeah. trend continuing in, in Australia? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah. I think it will. And we've seen a couple of guys um, that are out here now as well, that, that are sort of draft and stash prospects as well so last year the pelicans drafted uh dd lozada who's been with the sydney kings uh he's still with the kings now coming into his second season but the pelicans own his draft rights and then this year uh justinian jessup is going to be playing with the hawks which was the team that lamello uh, uh the hawks yeah he's going to be with the hawks the team that lamello ball was at he was drafted by the warriors so 
I think that the benefit, particularly that the NBL is having this year during COVID as well, is that because Australia has done such a good job uh, to this point, teams in the NBA are, are happy to send their draftees out to Australia because they know they're going to play. And so right. it's kind of a benefit for development as well. So Australia has been able to cash in on that a little bit this year as well. What did you learn about RJ's game? Because, I mean, I think everybody paid heavy attention to LaMelo. Uh, I don't know how many people got to watch RJ play, especially full games. Uh, what did you learn about his game, and how do you think his game will translate to the NBA level? Yeah, he's going to need some development. Um, probably uh, it's going to be a different situation to LaMelo as well. And it was different in Australia. So LaMelo Ball, the team that he was playing with, was, was pretty awful. But LaMelo was basically given the keys. They just gave him the ball and said, you run this team. You do what you want. You're going to get all the touches, all the shots you want. Whereas RJ Hampton was in a different situation where he would start some games, he would come off the bench some games. He didn't get the keys to, to run the offense and play his own way. So it's just a, a more difficult circumstance for Hampton in New Zealand. But uh, there was one game in Melbourne that I went to and I, I, I covered him. And there was a five or six minute stretch where he was, he was running the offense. And uh, four or five possessions in a row, he was able to create, get into the paint, find a guy for an assist and a basket, or pull up himself and shoot a little jump shot. So I think the playmaking is there, and I think we did see development as the season went on. But the tough thing for him is he's going to Denver. The minutes, it's hard to see that they're going to be there because he's going to a contender. So again, it's kind of a similar situation where Lamelo is going to go to Charlotte, and they're going to say, here you go, man, go for it. You're like, we, we want you to be the franchise star whereas Hampton's going to have to chill a little bit and, and hopefully develop and, and find a way to get better without necessarily playing, which isn't always the easiest thing. Yeah, it's interesting to see a team in Australia just give a young player the keys like that. I mean, <laughs> I remember when Brandon Jettys, you know, went to Europe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. He only averaged about, I don't know, maybe five a game, but they he still got drafted really high because they knew his potential. So it's, it was really interesting to see that, like them just hand them over the keys like that, you know? Well, Hampton, it's kind of funny because I, I spoke about draft stock sliding or rising by coming to the NBL. And I was a little bit surprised that Hampton got all the way to 24. I thought he didn't seem he happy, would... by the way. He didn't no, look happy. I, yeah. I, I thought that he was going to go in that sort of 15 to 18 range. I thought he was going to go a bit higher than that. So that was a little bit of a shock. But perhaps it was some of that, that they just didn't see the reps from him in Australia to know or to be comfortable about um what role he was going to be able to play and there's still question marks in the jump shot he didn't shoot the three um too well in australia he was down around 30 percent. so uh, that'll be a key for him if he can get the jump shot but i i feel like that's like with every player now i mean you got to shoot how, everyone shoots how's this feel for the game i it's good i mean he he looks like to me like a guy whether it's your primary ball handler or secondary and he's playing at the point guard or, or the two guard I think he's a guy that's going to be interchangeable because he has got size. He's got uh, the, the wingspan and defensively, he just needs to find that awareness. So it was difficult for um, those teenage guys to come into a professional league because they both struggled defensively. Like the Mellow ball was not good defensively at, at all, but he was doing what did it. A, okay, okay. Let me ask you this. What did an average full game of the Mellow ball look like to you when you watch the game in its entirety? Um, a guy that has, I mean, eye catching passing ability can really handle the ball. Like he he stood out as a teenager that when you were watching the game, if you didn't know who he was, you would be asking, Who the hell is this guy? Like this guy's like got something. Like he, he's got something that stood out in a professional league as an eighteen year old. 
Um, but if you were looking closely defensively, you'd say, oh man, this guy doesn't play any defense though. You know, I mean, so he's flawed, but he showed enough star power in that league that you knew that he had something. Now, I don't think that RJ Hampton had that. You know, right. he was he was a fine player, but you looked at Hampton and you're like, this is a young guy that's going to continue to develop. Whereas Ball like jumped out of the TV or jumped out at you if you were at the arena. Kane, great stuff, man. You're always welcome back on the show. Uh, let us know where we could find you on social media and everywhere else. Yeah, you can get me at Kane Pittman on Twitter and at Locked On Bucks is the podcast. We're going Monday to Friday, uh, right throughout the season. So it's been a busy year. There hasn't been much of an off season, which um, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of into. I'm kind of excited. I miss, I miss summer league, man. I really hope it's summer true. league next year. I did. Actually, no, I, went a few, I, I went a few times. I, I really like, I really hope they have it next year. I'm going to miss that, man. Yeah. I, I tell you, I don't miss the 110 degrees Vegas weather, but I, I do miss the, the atmosphere of summer league. It's a fun time. Yeah. It's crazy. Even at night, it's like so hot. I'm like, how is this possible? It's nighttime. Like I didn't it's even get it. It's ridiculous, man. It's too Kane, hot. <laughs> Kane, I really appreciate your time, man. Uh, really appreciate you. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Anytime, man. Thank you. There it is. Another episode of Combo's Court is in the books. Big thanks to everyone who tunes into Combo's Court across the globe. And big shouts to Kane for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Also, man, rate and review the show wherever you listen to Combo's Court. We here at Combo's Court would greatly appreciate it. Be on the lookout for episode two, two, one, combo out.